Amen. So today uh, we're continuing our series on reflections. Uh, and this reflection is a reflection that I have had uh, for our church for about six months now. Um, and it, it, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Uh, and this is just a, a, a verse, uh, also a topic that I felt like we've needed to talk to for a while, and I'll share why in a minute. But I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. It says, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So today we're going to be talking about what excelling in, quote-unquote, this act of grace is. Oftentimes in the church, we look at faith, right? We think of Christianity. We think of growing in faith. We think about our speech, how we, we talk better, uh, how uh, we grow in our knowledge, maybe theology, our understanding of the word, how passionate we are and our, our love uh, for God and for people, and we regulate our spirituality to kind of what we think are these very spiritual things uh, and subjects. But Paul is very clear uh, in 2 Corinthians 8, and as we're going to read in chapter 9, that there is also another act of grace, as he calls it, that we need to excel in and grow in as a body. That's how true it is. She was right on point. <laughs> So, to pastor this church, I noticed that this, this is one of the reflections I had, that we have been growing in all of these areas, um, and that's what we need to grow in all of these areas, not just some of these areas. We can't pick and choose what we want to be discipled in and grow in as Christians, or if we do that, what happens is we are serving a God made in our own image, a God that we like to obey and do not obey when we don't like to obey. If you don't obey God when he tells you things or you read things that you don't want to do, then you are serving a God made in your own image. You are not serving the one true God. And so this week, that's why I'm excited that we are doing Compassion Week. Uh, if you do not know what compassion is, we're going to learn more about that later. Uh, it's one of the most incredible nonprofit organizations uh, in the world. In my opinion, I've uh, been I've seen that the work that they do firsthand, most of you know, when I went to Africa, uh, when I was in Uganda, I was on a compassion trip uh, and just blown away by what I saw. Um, but what we are going to discover today about this act of grace is what Paul is saying to the church that what we cannot neglect uh, is generosity. And that is why we are having Compassion Sunday today, because I believe our church needs to grow We've been excelling in a lot of things, but one thing that I've not seen us as a body excel, I've seen people excel, but as a body excel in, is generosity. And so we're going to be talking about that today. And as I was praying about how to talk through this as a church, I believe God put two things on my heart. The first thing was, in order for us to be a generous church, we have to give more than just to our church. We need to give outside of our church. A lot of times when you hear generosity spoken about in the church, it's just about giving to the church, which I think there's nothing wrong with giving to the church. But I believe that in order for us to grow in generosity, we have to learn how to give outside the church as well, not just inside the church, to meet the needs of the body as a whole 
in the body of Christ. And so today is actually going to mark the first day of several opportunities that I want to give our church throughout the year to sow into the body at large, not just hear what we're doing in Zion, but what God is doing outside of Zion that we can give to generously. The second thing I felt like God was putting in my heart is that when teaching about generosity to the church, that we were supposed to start with first giving to something outside before we talked about giving inside. Uh, And so that's why we're going to talk about compassion today, uh, because I want us to grow first in our giving towards others, because I think that is even more of an act of generosity for our church and can really stretch us in that way. Uh, But before we go too far, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And there are several of them when it comes to this topic uh, and church. The first one is the church has a bad rap. Uh, when it comes to abusing money. I'm very aware of this. Uh, If you have been alive for at least a decade, you're probably aware of this as well. Uh, There are a lot of false teachers out there uh, that proclaim to be Christians, proclaim to be pastors, proclaim to teach the word of God. Uh, But what they proclaim is not the true gospel. They proclaim that you get rich by giving And they proclaim that wealth is the ultimate goal of giving. This is called the prosperity gospel, but it also masks itself in a lot of different ways. Uh, Somebody may not instinctively preach the prosperity gospel. Whenever they preach about generosity, they preach these two things. If you want to get rich, give a lot of money. And if uh, if wealth is your ultimate goal in life, then make sure that you give a lot of money. Um, And so both are untrue. And we are going to deal more with those things later on in today's text. The second thing that is the elephant in the room is Americans love their money. It's the truth. This is linked to what we talked about last week, idolatry. Uh, So we love our money. Why do we love our money? Because America is based off of consumerism right now. Uh, We feed our idolatry, we feed the thing that we worship by our money. Uh, If it is video games, it is purchasing of video games. If it is clothes, it is buying those clothes. If it is entertainment, it is, you know, having every subscription that you can have, movies, whatever. If it's vacation, it's all of your money going to that, right? All of the idolatry, the master that we serve that is not God, is is something that we can give ourselves over to because of money, and Americans love their money. Money is the main means to fund our idolatry. So when we talk about taking away money, about giving it away in the church, that's what you hear if money is your idol. It's like they're taking my money. But So if you're not giving it, if someone is taking it from you, (laughs) we get angry. So if you are upset at the thought, of giving away your money, then this is my prayer for you today, that the Holy Spirit will work on your heart to soften it towards generosity and repentance towards idolatry, because I think both of those things will be necessary as we talk today. The truth of the matter is that you are missing out on so much of what God has for you and his blessing if we do not walk generously in life. And if you still link the blessing of God to monetary prosperity, and you've been in the church more than six months, then please see me after church 
uh, because we need to talk more about this. Um, so how do we grow in this act of grace? Paul says that it's important that the church grow in this act of grace, and then he goes on to explain and give principles on how the church can actually grow in this act of grace. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the next chapter of the verse that we read, Paul uh, picks up, he says he's going to come to the church of Corinth, and he's saying, I'm going to come and I'm going to pick up the gift that you promised. So what had happened right during this time that Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, the church in Jerusalem was struggling deeply financially. And so Paul had uh, planted or helped plant a lot of churches along the Mediterranean, uh, and he was going to collect money from these churches and bring it back to the church in Jerusalem. So these local churches were helping the global church at large in their struggle. Uh, and so he had just finished bragging to the Macedonian church about how generous the Corinthian church was. And then, you know, he's telling the Macedonian church he essentially was creating healthy competition, saying they're giving a lot, they're incredibly generous, they're awesome, you know, you guys need to give too. And then he writes to the Corinthians and says, you better have that gift when I come to you. Uh, start, start the collection every week so that when I get there that, that you didn't make me to be out a liar, essentially. And so what Paul does is he then gives them this principle, these principles that we're going to read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, that is helping the church grow in their generosity. Uh, and so these are principles and verses that we're going to read today. And we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, and so... Paul writes this. He says, the point is this, right? He talks about this kind of uh, what he's, that he's going to be coming to pick up the fund for the Jerusalem church and that he's been talking them up to everybody and he can't wait to get there and to see them. And then he gives them these principles starting in verse 6. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This principle I call the do unto others principle. Uh, there is a principle that you see in the Bible, do unto others what you would want done unto you. Uh, it, this is a very familiar principle. We hear it said a lot, whether in Christian or non-Christian circles. I'll explain it, though, through an example uh, and, and what Paul is saying here. Um, the, the, the best example when I think about this is... Uh, my uncle Lenny. Now, a lot of you have heard stories. This is this is the uncle that I lived in Ohio with. I was uh, yesterday. I was at his memorial. He passed away uh, two weeks ago. And um, but as I was kind of just thinking about him and the legacy of his life, one of the things about him that I will always remember is his generosity. Uh, his generosity towards people was one of the most amazing things I ever saw. Whenever God is dealing with me in the area of generosity, usually God uses examples of my uncle uh, to convict me in my life. Uh, one of my friends I was talking with on Friday before his memorial, we were just reminiscing about him and the things that he would do. One day he went to his office and he had to pick up a bunch of papers. And when he picked up uh, the stack that my uncle had asked him to get him, uh, some checks had fallen out. And a bunch of, a pile of checks fell out when he, he was picking it up. My friend is like me. He's very nosy. Uh, and so he reads through every check as he was putting it back in the pile. And he was blown away 
because it was all these different people that were uh, in my uncle's life, and, and in the memo to all these different checks, it said rent uh, for that month. Uh, and at any given time that I would talk to him, and I would talk to people that were close to him, he was helping people pay their rent. Uh, this man, uh, he was known for sending you a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, a Thanksgiving gift, whatever gift that he could send you. He was always gifting you with something. Uh, I was traveling with him from the time I was nine years old. Uh, and as a kid, I always thought it was funny that whenever I would ask my dad for something and I was going to travel with my uncle, you know, can you give me money for food? You know, things like that. As a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old, you expect your parents to do. Uh, he would always tell me, don't worry, your uncle will take care of it. Uh, and then whenever I'd go to my uncle and I was like, hey, Uncle Eddie, you know, I didn't hit puberty yet. Uh, and... I just, I just tell him, like, my daddy said that you were going to take care of this. And, you know, he would always go, of course, Joey did that, you know. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, this man paid for me to travel around the world. Uh, he paid for me. I, w I went on mission trips every year for five years, from nine years old to 14 years old, uh, out of his pocket. I went to Bible school from his pocket. And this was not something he just did with me. He would, every time he would see a need, he would try to find a means to fulfill that need. If he ever had space in his house at every given time, there were people living in his home with him uh, to grow and be discipled. And he would buy the groceries. He would cook meals for them. Everything that this man did in his life was from generosity. But the thing that always struck me the most is that even though he kept sowing into people, the amount that he would reap, was mind-blowing. I mean, you have never seen someone celebrated on their birthday until you went to Uncle Lenny's birthday party. It was the most incredible. At, during Christmas, I mean, the, he, he had no uh, physical blood children. Uh, he wasn't married. But you would think that this guy had hundreds of grandchildren and children because during Christmas, his tree, his house would be stuffed to capacity. Uh, with presents on, on his birthday, people would fight over what gifts and how much that they could give him when they knew what to give him. Because the amount that he sowed into people, he reaped bountifully because he was so generous. I saw this principle play out in his life over and over and over again. And the second thing that Paul says right after this in verse 7 is this. Do it cheerfully. It says in verse 7, each one of us, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Not once did I see my uncle complain about giving, about buying people things. He loved to do it. He never expected anything in return, but he loved to do it. If at the end of this message, when we give you an opportunity to be generous towards the global work of the body of Christ, if at the end you think, I don't want to do this or I'm giving begrudgingly, then keep your money. Keep it. Do not give it. Because this sermon the point of this message is not to take your money. This is not manipulation. This is to grow our church as Christ followers. 
This is to, for us to experience God's blessing and its fullness in what we do. And when we give, it should be given cheerfully. Of saying, God, I give this to you with joy in my heart. I give this to this person with joy in my heart. Thankfully, thank, thanking you that I can bless other people. So many times, you know, I've, I've seen this in the church growing up. That when it comes time to giving, to being generous... People do it with, with a sour attitude. And you know, I, I, I just think like, keep it at that point. You ever ask somebody for a favor, you know, and, and they're like, fine. <sighs> if I must. <laughs> you know, now I got to get out of the couch, you know, and go over there. You know, that's me when Heather asked me to get her water. You know, I'm like, <laughs> must I move right now? And then what's the natural? Just forget about it. I'll go get it myself, you know? Right, you ever ask somebody to do it and they do it like that? It's just like, don't worry. It wasn't a big deal. I could just go do it myself. And that's, that's kind of how I see it. If we are not giving cheerfully, just don't do it. Because I think something needs to happen in your heart first for the joy to overflow as you give. And we'll get to that more later. But this is a good indication of where our heart is and maybe what we need to go to God for and say, God, I, I need you to do some surgery on my heart. In verse 8, Paul says this, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. God is the supplier of all things. See, from God, we learn in this verse, comes all grace, comes all sufficiency, comes all things at all times. Do you hear that word all repeated over and over again? Right, you, you met your... Your bank account may get fed by your employer on Sunday, but guess what? Even that comes from God. All that we have comes from God. He supplies everything. Why? Because he gave you breath in your lungs to get up to do that job in the first place. So God does this so that we can abound in all good works, including this work of giving. See, giving should not puff us up. Now, I'm, I don't know how many times I have heard, um, you know, it's like I, I, I view giving and fasting the same way. There's no command, you know, in the Bible around like not telling how many people you gave. But I feel like at this point I want to throw that command in there sometimes. Uh, like in fasting, God says don't tell everybody that you're fasting. Jesus says that when you're doing it. You know, there's the Pharisees that go and they're like, oh look at me, I've been fasting all week, you know, I'm so holy. But giving should not puff us up. It should bring us to a place of thankfulness that God supplies what we have and he has supplied enough for us not only to have but also to give. That all that we have comes from him. And all that we can supply to others, all that we can give, also comes from him. 
that God is the supplier of all my needs and also will use me to help supply the needs of others. That this is not something that I can, you know, every, every time I give, I text me, guess how much I gave this week, everybody. Listen, I think we should celebrate things in our life when we can give amounts that we thought we could never give before. I've done that with some of my close friends. Can you imagine? Like, I gave this, and I never thought in a million years I'd be able to give this. But when we give, it's not to puff us up. It's to remember all things come from God. And through him, through all that he gives us, we are able to participate in the good work of generosity in our lives. And that is a blessing in itself from God. In verse 10, Paul says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Righteousness is your reward. See, your reward here is not tons of money or a big house. It is righteousness. When I think of all that God has done for me, the reward of righteousness before him is the greatest gift I can ask for. That it says that I won't just, you know, have some righteousness. It says it will increase the harvest of your righteousness. That giving, being generous towards others is actually an act that will grow us in our righteousness towards God. And will be part of the harvest of righteousness in our lives. That when we do this, when you are praying the prayers of God, I want to be righteous like you. A lot of times we think of only spiritual things. Like we think, I want to read more of the Bible. I want to pray. I want to have more faith. Paul is saying, yeah, all those are good things, but excel in giving. And guess what? You will excel in righteousness. You will have the reward of righteousness in your life. And this last principle, that generosity produces greater generosity and thanksgiving. In verse 11, it says, Paul says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. See, the reward will also be that other people will now be able to have thanksgivings towards God because their needs were supplied by God through you. But then this other part of this that I love is, is people tell me this all the time. I'll give when I make more money. Justin, I'll start giving when I make more money. I, I have to tell you this. I'm sorry if you've told this to, to me because I'm going to confess what happened internally when you told me this. I, I gave you the biggest spiritual eye roll that I could possibly give in my life. I gave you a Judah Matera eye roll. <sighs> Dad! <laughs> That's what he does to me when I ask him something he doesn't want to do. All right, when somebody tells me that, 
I have to just control your eyes, Justin. Control your eyes. Control your eyes. Don't let them roll. Don't let them roll. Don't let them roll. And why do I say that? Because in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is what Paul says as he, get into, he gets into this. He says, we want you to know, and this is not on, on the screen, so just listen to me. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, listen to this, their abundance of joy and their what? Extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You don't hear this a lot, that extreme poverty and overflowing in a wealth of generosity are in the same sentence, but they are. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. No one, no one manipulated them, no one begged them, they gave of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. They knew, they said, I want to give because I want the favor of giving. I want to be part of this blessing in our church. For taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, the the Bible has ample scripture to show that even in our poverty, as Christians, we are called to give. See, there's a story in scripture of the woman... Who gave the two mites, right? That Jesus is in the temple and everybody is going in through the temple and they're given their large sums and it's like, listen to my change hit the bottom of this. I got a lot going. My denarii so thick right now. Like it's it's listen to this. And Jesus sees all these people given tons of money, and then this this widow comes and she gives two pennies, literally two pennies. That's what two mites are. And then Jesus says, for your sacrifice, because she gave out of her poverty, she was extremely generous. He says, you will be known forever. And we still read about her today in the scriptures. See, the greater the sacrifice, the more glory and thanksgiving it brings to God. If your dream is to be generous towards others, start today. Start now. Because what will happen is your generosity will produce more generosity. When you start to give out of your poverty, you will begin to see ample opportunity to be truly generous in your life in situation after situation after situation. If every time a generous opportunity comes your way and you think, oh, you know, when I get my raise, I'll start giving towards that. You know what? No, you won't. I was just talking to one of my friends the other day. He told me his parents were making half a million dollars a year for whatever their work life was, 25 years. And they are retiring in debt. Can you believe that? We think that, wow, if I had half a million dollars... Guess what? 
Your financial practices with $20,000 a year will be your financial practices with $500,000 a year. Because if you do not conquer idolatry, debt, and the master of money and become generous with what you have now, what makes you think that when you have more that that God will become less in your life? No, it will become greater. And its seat of authority and power over your heart will only increase with the more money you have. It will not decrease. And so give out of your poverty. Give willingly, joyfully. In a wealth of generosity. And then Paul ends in chapter 9 with this. In verse 13, he says, By their approval of this service, they will glorify God. Because of your submission that comes from what? Listen, your confession of the gospel of Christ. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. It is all because of the gospel. See, Paul ends it with this understanding that we only can do this. It only happens. It only should happen because of our confession of Jesus Christ and our submission to him in our life. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we can be a generous people. Giving is an act of grace that as a church we need to excel in, that we need to grow in, to challenge ourselves in. But it should only flow from one place, from our submission to Christ and our confession of the gospel. See, if it comes from an idea that I just want more money or I just want my raise or I just want my boat or I want my house, that is flowing from a place of greed and idolatry that is not flowing from the gospel and submission to Jesus. See, what happens is, is, is this. The good news is this, Paul says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that th- though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by you, so that you by his poverty might become rich. See, the good news is that Jesus, having all the wealth that we could possibly imagine, cattle of a thousand hills, all the riches, all the splendor, all the glory, all the blessing, he gave it all away. He gave it all up. He became the definition of poor. Said, foxes have Holes, birds have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. He was, did not even have a home. He gave it all away. What? So that we could be rich in the blessings of God. Jesus gave up everything generously to us. People whose scripture says did not even love him who were in our sins when he died for us. 
so that we can become rich in mercy and grace and salvation power. When we confess the gospel and submit to Jesus, we become like him and we follow his example. See, if generosity is not one of the things that you excel in after receiving the gospel, then you have to ask, where have I not submitted to the full gospel in my life? If the gospel allows you to serve Jesus and also keep everything that you love and pursue your own dreams and not submit to what Jesus has for you, then check the gospel that you have submitted yourself to. Is it the true gospel that calls us to be like him in his sufferings? Is it calling us to be like him in his generosity, that though he was rich, he was made poor for our sake? It says, for your sake, he became poor. And so today, we are presented with an opportunity to put this into practice. An opportunity to be generous, to say, you know what? God, we want to see this work in play. And, and before we finish, there's going to be somebody else that will come up to speak in a moment. And what we're going to be doing is uh, we have Compassion Sunday. And, and I, I wanted to have our church have this opportunity specifically because I know that we need to grow in our ability to be generous. And I've seen this organization, I, I've seen what they do, and I've seen the lives that it has changed. And the thing that I truly love about this organization is that they work through the local church. Uh, and they work through the church on the ground all around the world, and they work through the church to disciple, train, educate children in the most impoverished areas of the world. And so if I, as I've been praying with the leaders uh, and, and hearing from God about how can we grow as a church that is thinking about not only mission in our neighborhood, but thinking about mission globally and generously, this opportunity came up and I wanted to take it. So we have an action step. How can we learn to be generous today and now? And so I'm going to invite um, a, a guest speaker. He, he's going to take a few minutes before we close out. Uh, he is from Compassion uh, and the, he is brilliant, brilliant man. I was reading his bio. Uh, he has three master's degree, working on his doctorate now, is a pastor in his church and a bio, uh, met, uh, biomedical engineer uh, for his work. And, and uh, he is going to come and share just uh, a little bit about who Compassion is and what they do. So uh, later on, that we, when we think through, okay, how are we going to partake in this amazing organization and be generous globally, we can hear firsthand the story of somebody that God has worked through to see their life completely change. John, I'm going to invite you to come up. Why don't we welcome John? Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure for me to be here this morning. Um, I'd like to share a little bit with you about what can happen when we allow God to use whatever he has given us to bless others. Uh, I was born and raised in the country of Haiti. In fact, I was born and raised in a small village on the countryside of Haiti. 
Uh, most people who have heard about Haiti knows that Haiti is a poor country. And indeed, Haiti is a very poor country. But I must warn you that if you were to go to Haiti, there are people living the good life. People driving the latest model of the BMW, the um, whatever you want to call it. There are people like that. But for most people, they struggle on a daily basis to put food on the table. That was my case as a kid growing up in Haiti. Growing up, I remember there were days that my parents woke up and they desperately wanted to give us something to eat. But there's no food to to give us around the house. They were hardworking people, but they couldn't make enough to give us food to eat. There were days when we wanted to go to church and we just didn't have the shoes to wear. We didn't just didn't have the clothes to wear. But one of the things that I remember the most about growing up in Haiti was the poverty that was around me. You see, poverty is the kind of thing that you can read about it, you can watch a movie about it, but if you have not experienced it yourself, you really don't know what poverty is. It's like the person sitting next to you telling you, I am starving. But if you've never been hungry yourself, you think you understand what they're talking about, but you may not understand what's going on. But growing up, I remember there were, my parents understood the value of education. See, when you grow up in poverty, you understand that education is one of the most reliable vehicles that can get you out of that poverty cycle. And my parents drilled that into my head as a young kid. And so growing up, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an engineer. I wanted to be educated because I didn't want to spend the rest of my life in poverty. But there was a problem. When I looked around me, there were kids my age, a little bit older than me, a little bit younger than me, who desperately wanted to go to school. But their parents just didn't have the 15 or $20 it would have cost back then to keep them in school for the whole year. When I saw that, when I noticed that, I was heartbroken. I was terrified at the fact that my parents may never have enough money to keep me going to school long enough to be the educated person I wanted to be. I was terrified until one day. I remember that day as if it was yesterday. I remember the little village that we lived in, hardly ever any cars will come to the village. And so when a car came to the village, everyone noticed it. That day, a car came in, and there were some people who came to our church. And um, next thing I know, they sent to our school, who was down the street from the church, they sent to get some kids. And somehow, I was part of the kids that they um, they brought up to the church. I, I got there, and I noticed that they were taking pictures. Now, today, everybody has camera phones, and taking a picture is no big deal. But for me back then, that was a big event. Taking my picture, no, that was huge. And so they were taking my picture, and I was excited. Next thing I know, I put my name on the list. I still didn't know what was going on. Later on that day, they, they went back, and it wasn't until weeks later that my parents got the news that literally changed my life. They found out that someone in the States decided to sponsor me. I still didn't get what that meant. Until months later that I realized what was happening is that that person really was a group of five women decided to pay for me to go to school. And all of a sudden, I didn't have to worry about whether my parents had money to pay for me to go to school. All I had to do was stay focused, 
study hard, do my homework, and my dream of becoming an educated person was within reach. I was excited. If you had met me that day, you would have thought somebody gave me a million dollars. My sponsors decided to pay for me all the way through high school. They kept me going at times when kids around me couldn't go to school. I was able to go to school because of my sponsors. After high school, God opened the door for the whole family to move to the United States. We moved to Miami, and I got there, and immediately I wanted to go to med school. I didn't realize that you had to go to pre-med and do all this stuff. I wanted to be a doctor. But you know that sometimes we have our own plans, and God has different plans for our lives. Next thing I know, a year later, I found myself in the United States Air Force. I spent four years in the Air Force serving. Um, while I was in the Air Force, I managed to get my associate degree. After the Air Force, I went back to Miami, went to the University of Miami. And three years later, I graduated with a master in biomedical engineering. It was all God's grace. Thank you. It was at that time that I started going back to Haiti on mission trips. And God started really impressing on my heart. Because at that point, I was working. I was doing good. And God started impressing on my heart that, John, I haven't blessed you this much just so that you can live in nice houses, nice neighborhoods, drive nice cars. I want more from you. I was convicted. I said, God... You have blessed me indeed. What can I do? What do you want from me? As I continued to go to Haiti on mission trips, I realized that I started to realize the poverty that I have left behind, that there were kids after kids, thousands of them who were living in the same condition that I was living in years earlier. And God impressed on my heart and my wife at that point. I had gotten married. God, um, through prayer, we realized that God was asking us to go back to a village in Haiti to give the opportunity that Compassion gave me to some kids. And so in 2010, 2011, my wife and I, we emptied our little bit of saving. We went to Haiti, um, purchased a property, and we started building a school. And that school today is giving the opportunity to close to 300 kids to go to school at almost no cost to their parents. Kids who would have not been able to go to school at all. Right now, as I speak, tomorrow is Monday. Thousands of parents in Haiti are struggling to figure out, how do I get the money to send my kids to school tomorrow? But our kids, 300 of them, don't have to worry about that. Because God has provided for them a place to go to school to get a Christian education. <laughs> Praise God for that. But I tell you what. All that started when these five women picked up a package just like this and decided to invest in my life through compassion. And they literally changed my life. And I call what they give me the gift that keeps on giving because today an entire community is being blessed simply because five women came together, heard a presentation just like this. And decided to pull their money together. I, I figured that maybe they realized that they couldn't do it on their own. And they came together. Perhaps it was a Sunday school class. They came together and invested in my life. And today, not only that my life is blessed. I am serving at my church as a youth pastor. I'm blessing others today 
an entire community is being blessed. I pray that as God bless you, that you will allow him to use you to bless others. Thank you. May God bless you. So what we're going to do after service today um, is when you go out on your way out, you may have noticed on your way in that the connect table is not where it usually is, but you see the big compassion sign. And that little slip that Jean held up is going to have, uh, I think there's about 100 kids there that uh, our church can sponsor. And they're all, what I love about compassion is what they do is they go and they build schools as part of local churches so that the churches can have a active witness in the school, uh, in the in the neighborhood, by providing practical means, and then they also preach the gospel and have church there on Sundays, so the kids can bring their families. And I witnessed this uh, when I was at a compassion site myself. It's one of the most incredible things you'll ever see. Uh, and what I'm even more excited about is the site that we are going to be sponsoring kids at. Uh, next summer in 2020, we're going to be doing a mission trip as a church to Haiti, and we're going to visit the sites that we're going to be sponsoring. And so whatever child that we, children that we sponsor today, we're going to have an opportunity to actually go meet them in person uh, next summer. Um, we're going to be partnering with another Haitian church in Brooklyn to also do medical missions in the same villages nearby. I'm really excited about how God is growing the foundation of our church to really include practical uh, ways to give generously and grow in mission and understanding of that. And I pray that as we worship now, uh, that there would be uh, something that the Holy Spirit just speaks to us because we can literally change the life uh, of somebody. And if you have children, I want to encourage you to make this part of your family. Uh, I'm going to take Judah later and Levi, and we're going to pick a child that we're going to put on our refrigerator and pray over and write to and support and let them show that we are, as a family, giving towards God's global church um, and seeing him grow our family in that type of generosity as well. Can I invite you all to stand?